for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Catherine Manuel, Chief Operating Officer at digital fashion brand House of Blueberry. This is the Glossy Podcast first. House of Blueberry has sold more than 20 million units of digital clothing to date and has collaborated with brands including Jonathan Simkai. Catherine says her specialty is bridging the language gap between technologists and the C-suite, so I'm excited to see how she translates to our listeners and myself some big metaverse concepts, including the potential for fashion on platforms, including Roblox. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you for having me, Jill. I'm so happy to be here today. Thanks so much for being here. For those who don't know House of Blueberry, maybe they're not active on digital platforms. (laughs) What can you tell us about the company? How would you describe it? We are a digital first company. So we're really forward thinking around fashion, but predominantly for avatars, actually entirely for avatars. So if you are playing a game like Roblox or you're in a digital environment like Second Life, you've probably heard or seen our fashion assets. I love this. And this is not, am I correct that the company started, maybe it's evolved and transitioned. This isn't a brand new company, despite all of the recent buzz around the metaverse and gaming platforms and all of this. Is it 2012? That's correct. In 2012, the founder, Mishy McDuff, she really made her kind of entrance into digital fashion in the the online platform Second Life and had a real run of it for about 10 years where she built a lot of connections, made many, many thousands of designs and really was a has been a really big deal in Second Life around sort of cutting edge fashion. Um, and then it was at the end of 2021 when we first got seed investment to really launch what is now House of Blueberry. And we're scaling that initial set of designs, really thinking about how can we be on every digital platform. That makes sense to me. What was your background prior to House of Blueberry and how long have you been with the company? I have only been with the company. Actually, it's a year today. So I've been with the company hey, only congrats. a year. Thank you. Um, my background is much more sort of traditional I got a start at Accenture doing large-scale technology implementations, so I was kind of thrown into the deep end learning how to code and program computers. And then I spent 13 years at Thomson Reuters, which is a big data company, and I did everything from running technology strategy and enterprise architecture to corporate strategy, and then I spent four years actually as Senior Vice President of Innovation for the corporation. Oh, fantastic. Tell me about... Gen Z and in terms of their appetite for digital fashion, I hear time and time again, you know, young folks care as much about their digital identity or more so than their, their physical identity, what they're wearing IRL that kids, I say kids, sorry if that's (laughs) disrespectful. And I know everybody's on Roblox these days, actually, but let's talk Gen Z in particular. Um, They want Robux instead of an allowance or actual physical money. Not everybody. This is catching on, though. Like, for those who don't understand that this is a big movement, like this is coming. If you don't know, the next generation is all about it. Talk to me about how you would describe that. It's enormous. I mean, if you look just at Roblox as a platform, there are, I want to say, 270 million monthly active users. And when you look at those average ages being around sort of between the ages of, I'd say, 6 to 25 and really skewing to the younger side, 
Um, it's an enormous place where a lot of young people are spending a tremendous amount of time. And when you think about that, I mean, you mentioned that it's where a lot of birthday presents are. They're getting, kids are getting Robux for their birthdays. Um, the Tooth Fairy, I think Kim Kardashian posted something where the Tooth Fairy requests are for Robux. There's a lot of interest in young people being able to express themselves while they're playing games and they're being in these online communities. And it's not just Roblox, it's just Roblox is a very large community in that way. Um, but it's really sort of the swell of that generation of where time is being spent, but also friendships are being made. Um, as, as I mentioned, my background is not in games or fashion, yet I will tell you that the reason I was so drawn to this space in particular was during the pandemic watching my own daughters when they couldn't have play dates, they couldn't play with their friends in person, they were going on Minecraft and Roblox and they were beginning to play games and connecting with their friends there. And that's, I started watching them being like, this is where community is being built. This is where friendships are not only being made, but they're also being fortified, strengthened, and just sort of that camaraderie that when I was a kid was happening out in the, in the driveway. It's still happening out in the driveway sometimes, but it also is in these online platforms. And I think it's a way for these communities to burgeon, but also for kids to express themselves and be who they are in these in these realms. Did the pandemic uh, catapult what's, what's happening on these platforms? How would you describe that trajectory? And was House of Blueberry... Um, the fashion in itself, the concept was the seed planted prior to prior to the pandemic. You said the investment happened in 2021. It was 2021 when the investment happened, but I think that the success that that Blueberry brand had in Second Life was so tremendous, and it was early in the market. So there was a lot of money that was being made by creators in Second Life. But the overall market, there just weren't that many platforms that were able to create what we would call user-generated content or UGC, which is really where any creators can upload their own creations, their own art, their own 3D designs and fashion, and anybody within that's playing that game could go in and purchase it. So what was beginning to happen through the pandemic was really that a lot of games were opening up this idea of UGC, being able to allow players to become creators and sell their goods. Second Life was a leader in that space by far, but the so it was sort of like we, we knew we had the assets, but then the market caught up and that that idea was being spread across more platforms, more growth. Tell me about these digital creators. You're working with digital natives, I guess, to create this avatar of fashion. Um, and I know there are collabs with traditional fashion designers or brands, but tell me about who these digital creators are and what, I guess, is working in terms of the clothes, the accessories, what people want to wear. It's so Their fun. avatar wants to wear, not people. Go ahead. Exactly, exactly. The avatars. Um, it's definitely been part of our entry into any new space is that we really look at who are the people that are endemic to a platform? Who are the people that already have a following? Who are the people that are already on the cutting edge of fashion within that platform? And we ask them to join our team. And so this happened in Second Life. So Mishy was the original creator in Second Life, 
but she brought along Ashley Hopkins, who had a brand of her own in Second Life. Ashley did the shoe design and Mishy did the clothing design. They began to partner together and create these coordinated outfits. And that really took off. So when we decided last summer that we we're going to ra- launch into Roblox, we went out into the communities and we found two designers that really had pretty strong followings in and of themselves. Their handles are Bunny Blossoms and Sea Sapphire. They're both really well known within Roblox. And we asked them to join our team. That was tremendous because they understood how the platform worked, how the community worked. One of the things that's so core to our business model is really this idea of community first. So we want to make sure that we listen to our community, that there's a real back and forth in what our designs look like, and they're serving sort of our ideal audience. And there's no better way than to to go into a new platform and recruit some of the creators to come on board and help teach the core team how this all works. And it, it, that's really worked well. And so when we're looking at new platforms and where we're going to expand and grow, we are continuing to do the same thing. Tell me about your business model. How are you making money? Is this all via digital fashion sales? Um, how are you working with Roblox, I guess, to, to have a presence on the platform? We have a few different business models. One is really, when I think about what our long-term vision is, it is to sell fashion, our fashion brand, wherever digital identity matters. So we plan to extend our fashion onto multiple different platforms. Again, those communities where people come and they want to buy clothes, show their avatar, and develop friendships and relationships with people online. So that's anything from Sims, Roblox, Zepetto, Second Life. Um, Epic is doing a tremendous amount with Fortnite and some of the marketplace work that they're doing. You've heard of um, Rec Room. There are a number of different platforms and they're all kind of growing and expanding. So that is definitely, we want to be on all of those platforms. We also find that doing collaborations with both real life brands is a huge opportunity for us, but also doing collaborations with some of the big studios that create games on these platforms. So there's a whole ecosystem that exists within these game communities, especially where there's user-generated content, where game studios are developing new games, but they don't necessarily have high-end or top-end digital fashion. And we can create almost like subscription services. So we can sell them sets of assets on a regular basis. They can buy those assets and continue to promote sort of new and fun ways for their users to come back and try on new, try on new fashion and play around. In terms of what's resonating with the shopper, with your audience, um, across the various platforms, you mentioned Roblox, you mentioned Second Life. Is it is it a totally different look? Like even wearing this across platforms isn't something that even makes sense. I know that's a constant conversation. It is a constant conversation. And it's really important for us to be authentic with our communities. And our community in Second Life is a little bit more mature. And our clothing and our fashion in Second Life is a little bit more mature. Second Life also is hyper-realistic. So when you look at an avatar in Second Life, it's almost like they're in real life. And so our designs there are for a much more mature audience, and we can play around because of that realism. 
Roblox, on the other hand, we have a more childlike community, and we really want to respect that. We want parents to be comfortable with their kids wearing the clothing, the fashion that we come out with. We want it to be a very safe place for them. So our fashion differs from one platform to another, really to represent the community and what our customers want, those communities. Um, but we're finding a lot of communities. So if you look at Zepetto, that's going to be much more like Roblox, but maybe a little bit older. But again, that's one of the reasons why we hire endemic creators from these platforms, because they can sort of tell us this is the community vibe. This is the feeling. So it still might be a black cropped hoodie, but it might be a little bit different if it's going to be in Second Life, which will, again, be more mature and real to Roblox, which will be much more kind of kid and fun and friendly. Yeah. In addition to age groups, age demos, um, in terms of, I guess, diversity or inclusivity, um, what else is the shopper like keeping in mind size inclusivity? Is that part of part of the conversation or part of what you're paying attention to in the design process? Absolutely. I mean, we are definitely a, what you would consider a body positive brand. We really, any size shape of your avatar that you pick, we will fit. Um, and we really want people, no matter what they look like in real life, to have an avatar that they feel is dressed to represent who they feel like they are, or who they feel like they want to be that day. That really is important for us. Tell me about the Jonathan Simcott. You, you talked about um, the collaboration. Like, did it Was it beneficial in terms of the brand, uh, that one in particular? Did they promote it across their platforms? Did it earn you a new shopper base? Um, did your... I don't know, native shopper, find that interesting? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what, what was I the mean, benefit there? Jonathan Simkai was a fantastic collaboration. It was actually the first metaverse fashion show ever, I believe, and it was in Second Life. Um, I had the neatest, coolest experience because the fashion show happened February of 22. And then I was actually walking through Soho in New York City in September of 22. So it was a full, what is that? Six, seven months later. And the same dress that we had built or that we, we had created for Second Life was actually hanging in the store window. So you can really begin to see sort of the supply chain happening and the fashion sort of being able to be played with online, done in this digital space. But then you can see it come into reality, which is just sort of a bit of magic for somebody like me. Um, yes, and it was tremendous cool. for us. It definitely got us a lot of PR. It really brought, also, this was a time when there was some seed investment in Blueberry, but we were still recruiting, this is before I joined, but we were still recruiting a team of executives to come on board. And so I think that that Jonathan Simkai collaboration really put Blueberry, House of Blueberry on the map. And it attracted a lot of us that wanted to understand more and get into the space in general. That makes a lot of sense. Do, have other designers, brands leveraged the partnership to kind of trial new new designs or something that might be a little bit more adventurous? Well, it's fun. I mean, we have definitely done things with a few different design, in real life designers. Um, Josie Notori from Notori, she partnered with us, which was a really fun collaboration. We tried to take a lot of her iconic designs that are very sort of East meets West themed and bring those into a much younger audience than she typically would sort of be in front of, which also led to Notori just launched their first children's line. 
And so what's fascinating there is she was able to reach a children's audience in Roblox prior to this launch that they just had around a children's line this spring. Standing out on the platform, like, is that it? (laughs) Having something that's ultra unique that's going to catch the eye is really key to success. Or And also, for those who don't know, someone who's shopping on Roblox or digital fashion, what's the price range? Where do you sit? Are you luxury? (laughs) We actually, it's a great question. We are proudly... Not luxury in the sense of a price point. We are luxury in response to high quality. So our assets are as focused on the detail. You can truly see, even in a platform like Roblox, which is relatively not super high from a pixel perspective, but you can see the textures, the patterns, the wrinkles of of our fashion that makes it much more lifelike than any other designers really on Roblox or, you know, the top group of designers. But we really want to be accessible. So one of our go-to markets, especially with children, is that we want, you know, if you get money from the Tooth Fairy and you want to go and buy a new outfit, we want to be a place that you feel like you're welcome to come and that there are multiple things for you. And that can be anything from wings that will attach to your new jumper or it could be twinkles and stars or as things as as sort of in real life as a cropped hoodie with joggers. So there's nice. a lot of fun stuff. Um, price point is less than a dollar for most all of our assets. We do play around with it a little bit, go high and low. We do some sort of really inexpensive assets just to make sure that people know that, you know, it's we're out there for them. And then things like the Jonathan Simkai and Second Life prices will range up a little bit higher. Tell me about your marketing strategy and where Discord and I would think Twitter would work to your advantage. What platforms are working to your advantage? Yeah, so we definitely use Discord. We definitely are on Twitter. Um, Instagram is another one where, and Facebook, you know, sort of the traditional social media outlets for sure. Discord is a great place for us. And we really want to build that those channels. That's a place where we can drop some of our designs that are works in progress and get really excited community feedback that might say, add some bedazzling or add some fire flames to these. You know, I mean, you can do so many things when it's digital and it's online. So we love interacting with our customers on Discord. Um, YouTube is also a place that we're trying to create more videos, more video content that shows avatars really playfully interacting with our designs and our fashion. So those are some of the sort of the social media sides. We are about to launch on a platform called Zepetto, which is one that I'm super excited about. It is a Korean-based company, but it's truly global. Fashion is absolutely key. And Jill, you might know all of this, so I hope I'm not telling you what you already know. It's just a platform I'm really excited about. Super playful when it comes to clothing and design. Um, And one of the really neat things about it is that it's very easy to then post your avatar dancing and doing sort of TikTok-like videos and posting those to all your socials. So there's a huge amount of community sort of play and fashion that all comes together on that particular platform. I don't tend to see a lot of avatars on my TikTok, on my Instagram. Are we going to be seeing more than more of this, do you think? 
I think it's going to be everywhere. I think Zepetto, the growth of Zepetto is tremendous and you're going to begin to see it in so many, so many places coming through and the fashion's really fun and the dances are really fun. I'm a little bit addicted at the moment. <laughs> For a fashion brand founder or leader, whoever's listening to this podcast, um, kind of, would you say like the go-to-market strategy, if they want to start playing in this space, um, obviously there's the Simkai model collaborating with you. Is that, are you seeing other brands like they're owning it? I would think maybe you have to be a big, big brand to figure it out and go there. Um, what's, yeah, a traditional fashion brand and will they be shunned? <laughs> Does it work to your advantage to be from this world, I guess? I think in real life, fashion brands absolutely have a place in all of these platforms. I think that they're brands that are really well known and people recognize them. I think that there's a tremendous opportunity. The one bit of sort of counsel I would give is that working with designers that are endemic to the platforms builds a sense of authenticity and a respect to the community that exists on the platforms. And so doing collaborations where you're bringing on designers that people know and doing sort of the, the that sort of well-known collaboration model is much more authentic and the community will respond really well to that. I think if it's just a designer that comes in and decides to kind of own and bomb a platform, I think it ends up being a little bit more, sometimes the community will shun it a little bit because it's like, well, you need to kind of get some respect from the hometown before you just come in. That's the one bit of consulting or counsel I would give some of the big brands um, that can really help them. But there's a place for everyone. That's what's so cool about these digital communities. Are you still, um, are you actively fundraising? What are investors excited about? You named a couple of recent rounds. Um, yes. What what do they like to know? I think that there's so much opportunity right now. So we've had the Web3 big push over the last couple of years, and it's felt like that's really come to a screeching halt in many ways. The interesting thing about House of Blueberry is that we had never really got into Web3. So I'll just explain. My Web3 version is anything on blockchain. And we have steered clear of blockchain to date because we really feel that Web 2 and what some people call Web 2.5, there's tons of market opportunity in those spaces. And what's happening in these gaming realms, which I know we all call them metaverses, but really these are sort of big social games where people are coming, is that a lot of these games are opening up these UGC marketplaces. There are these opportunities for creators to come and develop and design. And so investors really want to understand if there are going to be these marketplaces, if there are going to be these creators that are doing the work and building designs, where, how does the economics play out? And can a player like House of Blueberry really extend a digital-only brand across all of these platforms? And the investors believe we can. Amazing. Who's your competition? Right now, I would say, I mean, it's easy for me to say that we don't really have direct competition because we we collaborate really well with other creators. We collaborate within real life brands. There's a big enough market that we feel like we're a bit of trailblazers in what we're doing because we're a collection of creators that have come together and we're kind of going after these markets. Um, there's nobody doing exactly what we're doing. Um so I don't know. I mean, the, one of the biggest hurdles is many of these platforms, the economics are hard to make 
a lot of net revenue. You can make money, but then there's a lot of economic rents that they charge creators. And so we are subject to all of those. And so that's probably, it's not a competitor per se, but it kind of is because they they do take a tremendous amount of the economics. In terms of consumer adoption, is it helpful or to get more of the average Joe who may not be tech savvy, I guess, interested? I hear a lot about like, digital and digital twins and there's a physical component. Um, I don't know. Are you playing, you're not playing at all in the physical space now um, that you mentioned. Um, But yeah, do you see potential there? Is that like, I don't know. Is that a, an early step to maybe getting people involved or how do you see it? I don't know. I mean, I personally, I feel like everything from a supply chain perspective in real life fashion is a whole other business. I mean, it's it's a different business. There's a lot of complexity there. And there's something really exciting and really neat when you can go directly to the digital. I think that there are opportunities to use the digital. And you had mentioned it earlier in our discussion, but really around thinking through can you use digital as almost like a quick fashion idea or fast fashion idea to test out fashion? If this certain designs are really hitting in a certain market, can you then invest in the physical that drives that? I don't think that's where we're going to be playing per se in the the physical side of the fashion. But I think that companies like ours could certainly be used as testing grounds for in real life fashion houses that want to figure out ways of better investing in their operations so that they're not creating a lot of waste and that they're really hitting the audience with what they want. That's so interesting. I'm glad you brought that up because we we have talked about that, the potential for as as social media and your digital identity and what you're posting on TikTok and Instagram becomes you <laughs> and how you're known, particularly when you're working from home and don't go anywhere. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, yes, this could support, it could solve some problems in terms of overproduction, in terms of fast fashion. Um, I mean, like you said, this is more affordable even than fast fashion. Um, how do you guys talk about that and consider that and as a potential um, opportunity for you? I mean, in all of what you just said, there are so many opportunities. I mean, that's some of the challenge with the business right now is that we can go in probably about 20 different directions and where we want to take this because the opportunities are so huge in so many different directions. Really right now, though, what we want to do is be the top quality digital fashion house that are ubiquitous across platforms. And we really want to be selling not only to avatars that prefer more female designs, but those that are more masculine, androgynous, kind of the whole spectrum, um, and really be on all of these platforms. So that if you really like House of Blueberry and Roblox, and then you kind of graduate and you want to be on The Sims, you know that you're going to get the top quality assets, no matter where you are. And that's kind of where we see our place right now. Yes. Tell me about the size of the company, um, including, yeah, like your growth to date. And also you mentioned some important hires um, in the last couple of years. Uh, Who's running this machine? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we have a CEO and COO. We also have a chief creative officer, Ashley Hopkins. And then we had a head of business development and marketing. And we have a whole design team, which is really the engine of the business. 
Um, sometimes I feel like I'm the, I'm the more boring one that does the, you know, running the foundation of the company, but really that just allows everybody else to do the beautiful artistic creative work that they, that they can do. And that's the fun part for me to see what comes out of that. Um, right now we have about a dozen full-time employees, but also a number of contractors. The really cool thing about our creative talent is that many want to continue their side hustles, right? They want to have kind of do their own designs and then work with us on designs that our community really wants. So we're able to kind of fit a, a nice match there and allow creators to really do what they love. Um, I'm really proud to say that in Roblox, we have been growing like gangbusters in our group following. So I think right now we just did a big partnership with Sharkblox, which is a YouTuber who is very fond of our brand. And I think that just as a, this morning, we got to 45,000 group members, which just two months ago, I want to say we were probably below 10,000. So we're really starting to see that hockey stick growth, which is super exciting for somebody like me who loves the space, but also wants to know that where we're going is in the right direction. Are you working with Oh my gosh. Do you say avatar influencers, virtual influencers? This is part of your marketing strategy as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we love working with influencers. Um, it's really fun when influencers find us first. I mean, that's what happened with the shark blocks. They actually discovered us and liked what we were doing and did a YouTube around what we were doing. And all of a sudden we just started getting infiltrated. Our experience in Roblox was getting thousands of visits, millions of visits. We got I want to say we got over 2 million visits within like two weeks, just based on this one YouTube post from a, from a fan. And then we reached out to him and said, let's do something really fun together. And so we just <laughs> had a big party with him last week and did a sort of obby, which is like an obstacle course in Roblox. And I we built one of, this. did you? We built one of those <laughs> um, in partnership with Shark Blocks and it was really, really fun. Very cool. Does anyone on your design team kind of have a traditional fashion background? They went to Parsons or anything that, that would be surprising? Actually, what's surprising is that they didn't because yeah. the way that they... We, we have definitely talked with some of the big um, fashion schools. I just did a talk with um, Parsons actually not that long ago. Um, and we would love people from that background to come in if they're interested in digital fashion. I think this is a really exciting place to be. Um, but on our current creative team, they're all self-taught creators who really learned, you know, doing it themselves in their, on their own computers in their own homes or rooms or bedrooms or whatever, and just really found an opportunity and began testing their designs in the market and really did well. Oh my gosh, could be coming to fashion schools. We talk, we've talked for years about um, teaching around sustainability and AI and what needs to happen. But anyway, I could see this happening. This is a course um, <laughs> for sure. What do you think is the biggest, I guess, misconception about, um, yeah, just fashion? I, I, I want to say in the metaverse, but in, I like what you said, web 2.5 or in your world, um, that's really like a roadblock maybe against engagement or like, what do people just assume that I think something that you alluded to is that like Roblox, the metaverse, uh, virtual showrooms, whatever, that everything is the metaverse and it's all the same thing. And it's just, when you think of it in those terms, it's really kind of like squishy and confusing. <laughs> but anyway, how would you describe some kind of misconceptions um, that are 
halting adoption by, again, I guess maybe the older fashion consumer or fashion brands or traditional luxury houses, what have you? I think that there's probably a bifurcation between in real life and digital. And I actually think that understanding a brand kind of flows between. There's It's a much more porous element, especially from brand adoption and brand understanding, that if you can play in both sides, that there is a real opportunity for a brand to show the the realm and the depth of their design and their art. Yes. There was a lot of talk about at um, South by Southwest about how younger generations, like you're always on and there's not such a divide between your offline and your online or your, yes, the physical or digital and just always on. And this is the future. I mean, you're in a good place for that. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Yes. What can we expect for the rest of the year? What are y'all working on? What's your next steps? Um, We have some really fun collaborations that are coming up that I am not sure I'm yet allowed to talk about, but it's definitely something. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Discord because we'll be announcing some really fun things happening with a company and from a collaboration perspective. And then we are going to continue to launch on at least one new platform in the next little while um, and probably a couple before the year end. Very cool. Uh, if we talked in 10 years, like this would be a totally different conversation. What What's the conversation then? <laughs> in 10 years, I would say that the realm between technology and art is going to be so intertwined that there's really no difference. The thing that I love about technology now, I think when we look back in time in technology, probably when I first got into it, it was seemed really a world for sort of eggheads and nerdy folks. And I think as we go forward, there's this real meld of the creative and art really married to technology. And it technology allows artists to amplify their craft and really get their art out to a much broader community than ever before. And I think that that's the thing that gets me the most excited. I love I love working with creatives. I love being a part of sort of the art and creative world. But I also have like deep roots in technology and a love for what technology can do to amplify people's dreams and hopes and craft. So I think that that whole space, what we're going to see over the next 10 years is going to be mind-blowing. Two quickie more questions. Um, You know, we see like fashion shows, Metaverse Fashion Week, all of these kind of events um, in digital worlds that really borrow from the IRL. Is there a kind of something you mentioned, obbies, like there's obviously gaming components that IRL brands could borrow from you. Like, is there something that sticks out to you where like we do this online, (laughs) online in digital? Um, You guys should consider something like that. Absolutely. I mean, well, today is the day of the Met Gala, right? And so if we look back at probably one of the most, uh, to me, one of the most iconic moments was when Blake Lively had her dress transform as she was walking up the stairs. That is digital fashion. That is something that I would say digital fashion can do, has always done, if we look at it from a sort of 10 to 15 year history in that you can't you can fight gravity you can turn your design based on the flip of a switch and i think that that was a moment that really showed a lot of the digital creatives that the in real life world was taking hold of what For they were sure. doing 
And last but not least, I hear somebody's preteen or something said to their parent, like, why is your why does your avatar look like you? You can be anybody. You can do anything. Anyway, what is your avatar wearing? Are they your style or have you gone like bold, like crazy, <laughs> adventurous? I don't know. I will have to say this. So I have two different avatars right now. One is in Roblox and one is in Zepetto. And they are both wearing comfortable clothes, which I don't know what that says about me, but I'm wearing a Notori jogger and cropped hoodie in Roblox. And I'm wearing aloe um, running pants with a gray hoodie in Zepetto, which that does not say very much about me. I think after this conversation, I'm going to go out and buy something a little bit more high end. But right now I'm very comfortable. My avatar is able to do anything it wants. I like that a lot. Well, thank you so, so much for being here. I think we covered the bases. Catherine, I appreciate it. Thank you, Jill. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. If you liked this episode, be sure to share it with someone else you think would. Thanks for listening to The Glossy Podcast.